Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We've got an emergency podcast edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's joining me as always, the one, the only, Dwayne, The Rock McFarlane. 9.16 a.m. here on this beautiful Monday morning. Dwayne, before we started, you said you've never talked to me this early in the morning. Still a great day to be great, though. Yeah, you know it's an emergency when Hardis is up. <laughs> you know, it uh well, 816 my time, 916 his, and we're we're rocking a pod. But super excited. I mean, I'm excited to be here, man. We finally get some news on this uh Deshaun Watson front. Yes, we do. And that news is official for now. Judge Sue Robinson has ruled that Watson should be suspended six games. The NFL Players Association has already said they will not be appealing the suspension. It remains to be seen if the NFL will be appealing the suspension. So obviously, you know, with the Browns. First six games of the year, Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Patriots. This will put Watson on track to be back October 23rd against the Ravens. The way they kind of finagled his contract, he is losing just $345,000. Yeah, would have lost $11.7 million from a six-game suspension under his previous contract. So, obviously, a lot of different ways to feel about this, as Dwayne and I have talked about really the entire offseason in regards to this. If you're just disgusted with the situation, you want nothing to do with Deshaun Watson and fantasy real life whatever you're doing by all means go for it um we're going to treat them like any other player in terms of fantasy football and just try to you know attack the value as it lies normally so again Dwayne, one of these things where you know we are human beings as well i know this is not a pretty situation by any stretch of the imagination when you compare it to some of the other suspensions that have gone on with the nfl no doesn't look good doesn't feel good with that said we are here we have gotten six games this is really the minimum we were expecting, man, you know, as we, and as we've kind of done a few drafts here over the past month or two, looked at Watson, you know, kind of in that QB 17, 18 range, he's moving up the ranks. Yeah. And more so really Watson has just been like, if you needed the upside, like just forget where you had him ranked. And if you were willing to take on the risk, you just take him. Um, and so if you did that, it's really, it's, you know, it's paying off because we'll see what the NFL does. They have three days, by the way, to get this appeal in. So we, it's not like it's something we're going to have to still be wondering about come you know right. late August or early September when most people that listen to our podcast are going to be drafting. By then, you're going to have concrete information on what's going to happen with Watson. Over the next couple of days, there could still be a little bit of flux because until the NFL until they do say whatever they're going to say, like people may still be a little bit like skittish even about you know his value. But yeah. The way I look at it now, I mean, Watson just gives you, you know, I wrote the quarterback strategy article, um, you know, two weeks ago and already so much has changed. We've got huge confirmation that Trey Lance is absolutely going to be the starter. We didn't know we would get that from Kyle Shanahan. Now we've got this news around Deshaun Watson. So it's a little bit different. Before it was like really got to make sure you get your QB in, in round five, six. And that's still a very viable strategy. But if you miss now, you do have a few more outs, and I think Deshaun Watson is definitely one of those, Ian. Look, every time we've seen him on the field, man, it's been one great fantasy performance after another really for his entire career. I mean, just even as a rookie man in 2018, like one or, or yeah, it was 2017, excuse me, uh, one of the more electric campaigns you can remember. Number one in fantasy points per game in his injury shortened rookie season, tied for fourth in 2018, third in 2019, and sixth in 2020. Obviously, moving to a new offense, we can talk about, you know, what his true upside is there. And our projections, Dwayne, we do only have to Sean Watson as the QB 17, even under the implication that he's going to play 17 games. Now, fantasy projections, not necessarily something we're always going to use for the rankings. How, I guess, how 
confident are you that we're going to see that exact same Deshaun Watson, the instant top five, top 10 fantasy quarterback? Because to be fair, it's a new offense, new team, and he hasn't played football in a year and a half. Yeah, I think we're going to see it immediately. <laughs> the only question, honestly, is like, is this a mental thing for him? Um, he, he, this is a lot like yeah. to go through. Guilty, not guilty, doesn't matter a lot for a human being to go through. Um, and so... I, I think there's obvious, you know, there's a question there, but at the end of the day, like I think all we can look back and think about is 23.8, 22.0, 21.7 and 25.0. Those are his points per game in yeah, fantasy it, football. It, it, and, it's madness. I mean, <laughs> and his rush, you know, his, his capability as a rusher, right? He's not one of these guys that's going to run for 800 yards on you, but I mean, he's, he's good enough you know, on the ground and he's a real threat, you know, to score touchdowns rushing. And I think, you know, honestly, like the offense, you, I think you can make an argument that the offense he has around him right now, you know, is just as good as the best one he ever played in in Houston. Now he doesn't have a DeAndre Hopkins. Amari Cooper is definitely a downgrade from that. But I think Njoku, you know, for all, you know, for being an inconsistent player is still probably the best tight end he's ever played with, you know? And then I think whenever you look at the fact that they can still make moves in free agency, but I mean, some of these other wide receiver you know, the second wide receiver he's going to be throwing to. I mean, yeah, Will Fuller was obviously better than what they have here, and we'll see. They could end up signing him. But when you factor it all in with, like, the way the Browns want to run the offense, which is around, you know, efficiency, he's going to get a lot more support in the run game. Play action is going to be a lot bigger part of his game. Um, He's going to get more easy plays, you know, out of this offense. Think, you know, kind of what – Kyle Shanahan's scheme is that's what Stefanski's running here and so they've got a good offensive line you got the running back so I think it will be I don't think he'll throw the ball as much as he did in the past but I think the efficiency still has a chance to come through and will he be a top three back in point a top three quarterback in points per game probably not the competition's also gotten stiffer you know (laughs) since the last time we saw Watson with the players that we have at the top of the board like Josh Allen just going bananas you got Kyler Murray mixed in we already you know Lamar Jackson a lot of guys we've talked about but I think it's going to he's still going to fit in the range of, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about quarterbacks. The QB one is outscoring the QB 12 by more and more and more every single year. But we've talked about the cutoff kind of being around quarterback six, where you still have this elite enough quarterback that you're not going to have a huge drop from QB one. I think on points per game, you at least have to include Deshaun Watson in that group. Right. If you can get him onto your team and when you get him onto the field, like he's going to keep you from just getting absolutely blown away by the top quarterbacks. He's going to be in the mix. He could finish anywhere in that range. But I think the the biggest takeaway for me is like he's going to be some he's a player that can offset, you know, to some extent, somebody that took Josh Allen in the third round. Yeah. And you could argue that he has a chance to be number one. He's number three all time in NFL history behind only Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in fantasy points per game. Can't overstate how big of a, you know, just boom this is from Baker Mayfield. And then on the other side of things, man, the boom from Jacoby Brissett to Deshaun Watson after these six games. PFF passing grade since 2017. Jacoby Brissett, 63. Baker Mayfield, 80. Deshaun Watson, 88.7 yards per attempt. Kobe Brissett, 6.4. Baker Mayfield, 7.3. Deshaun Watson, 8.3. Completion rate, QB rating, all tell the same story. As big of a gap, big of an upgrade as it is from Baker Mayfield to Deshaun Watson, it is Again, in my opinion, objectively twice as big when we go from Jacoby to Deshaun. So six games now just being that minimal amount that it is, uh, you know, Browns, I think, remain legit contenders in a loaded but 
I think you could also say pretty wide open AFC as a whole. So, Dwayne, so, now. so where are you where are you taking Deshaun now in our ranks? Like, that's what not, what's the quarterback? So I was just getting to what's the quarterback? Okay, <laughs> this is where my question is: How do we really think he's gonna? Do we think he's gonna have a little bit of a lull because people don't want to draft him because of everything going on? Because from that perspective, I could see only moving him up to about QB 15 or so and just drafting him a lot there. I think QB 12 is the highest I would go. I would not put him ahead of Russ or Dak still. I think you could argue Watson in the Stafford, Rodgers, Cousins, Carr tier. You're losing the six games, but you can take another one of those guys in the double-digit rounds, and you ultimately have Deshaun Watson. If he does get a top 12 ADP, that's where I'm not going to be nearly as thrilled to take him with. I think right now, Dwayne, I'll probably put him one spot ahead of Justin Fields at QB 14. That's my first inclination. How are you? Yeah, so we're we're 100% in lockstep. I I think what I've been trying to decide this morning, um, you know, and I'll send my updates in in a little bit, you know, to so we can update the site and stuff, but it's really been torn with, do I put him right behind Dak and above Matthew Stafford, or do I wait until right after Kirk Cousins in the tier you talked about and slide him in right ahead of Justin Fields? And I think for for today, until we know about the appeal and the other things, I'm just going to slot him there with Justin Fields. But again, it's a tier, right? Justin Fields and you know Watson give you that upside. So it's one of those things where, let's say you go ahead and grab, you know, you wait a little bit and you end up with Aaron Rodgers as your QB one. You you don't have to wait a long time. You could just turn around, honestly, in the next round and just take, you know, just you could just turn around and take Deshaun Watson right there. So where we actually rank them versus what you may want to do when you think about your strategy, because you want that upside at quarterback. Um, I think that's something you guys will just have to think through as you draft. But I think the definite two names that once you get past the tier we talk about that belong you know together are Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson. And obviously Watson um, if we knew he was playing every game would be much higher than than fields but you know you're going to get fields for the full you know 17 games assuming it doesn't get injured and this is a situation where you might be able to use you know the 10 or 12 man league to maybe even an eight man league i know some of us are still in uh you know a spare one of those or two but hey man if you're in a t- 10 or 12 man league it's not best ball people might feel confident only having one quarterback. You can see people like Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr just falling into, you know, mm-hmm. round 14, 15, because people don't really respect them as fantasy quarterbacks. And they already have a Jalen Hurts or a Jalen or a Trey Lance on their team. So they don't really care about filling it as much. So right now, yeah, our range highest, we're probably going to move to Sean Watson. I don't see any scenario this offseason where we move him ahead of Dak or Russ. So I think QB 12 is probably about his ceiling. Uh, QB 14, QB 15, his floor. We did get a somewhat helpful tweet from PFF's own Ari uh, Mirov at My Sports Update. Just noting the difference between Calvin Ridley and Deshaun Watson. Obviously, not. We all realize that the crime uh, was different, but just in terms of how the NFL is treating it. Judge Susie Robinson, who was approved by the NFL and the NFLPA, recommended the six games, although the NFL apparently wanted a full season. The NFL, obviously not a judge, suspended Ridley for a full season. So this was not really the NFL's call. This was Susie Robinson's call. We will see if the NFL... It's her first big ruling, too. So there's a lot of speculation that the NFL actually won't try to overrule it because they just put her into this role. But... I don't know. I, I feel like it, even just for the sake of like the way the league looks, I feel like they have to appeal it. 
Um, like, I don't know, I mean, man. This seems like this seems like what they wanted. Now Goodell can be like, look, maybe. don't point maybe. the finger at me. Like, look at like she made the ruling, not me. Which, but, but it, was, it makes it even better for him if he appeals, right? Yeah, he, and he's true. like, well, she went with it, but I'm gonna appeal it. Oh well, she didn't change it. What well, shucks? It's like, guys, you know? I appealed it too. Like, what else <laughs> do you exactly. want? Me? That's what I mean. It makes him look even better, right? Yeah, you probably because right. think about it, like. And just setting it all aside, innocent, guilty, all those things. Like to me, even just from optics, he they have to appeal this. But but we'll see. I'm not a legal expert. Maybe they won't. Um, now, what I don't know, um, and I haven't seen anything else on this morning, is if they appeal it, what does that mean? What does that process mean? How long can that drag on? What does it mean for the status of Watson? Like I don't know. I guess they could technically still do the commissioner exemplist. I, I don't know how likely that is at all, but that's they've done that in these other situations in the past. We'll see. The big takeaway is just realize there is still risk beyond the six games associated right now with Deshaun Watson in, yeah. in your fantasy league. So you definitely, if you take him in best ball, you have to have, an, you know, probably three quarterbacks still. You could, you could just risk it and just say, I'm just going to bet on being right. That's fine. But if you're in a home league, you have to have at least one other quarterback yeah, on your roster, unless it's like what you said, Ian, a, a shallow league where you take him, you know, there's going to be a ton of players on the wire. But the other thing you've got to remember in home leagues when you have to take two, it, it can adjust your strategy some because, you know, a lot of you folks are having to play a kicker and a defense. You get 15 picks. And now you got to have two quarterbacks on your roster plus a kicker and a defense. If you do that, what I'll say is there's no way you should – you you have to absolutely avoid having a backup tight end. Like you can't have a kicker, a defense, a backup tight end, plus Deshaun Watson and another quarterback. So those are the kind of things you just kind of got to think through like more at a macro level. Like what's it going to mean to your roster construction, um, you know, especially if you don't have that many bench spots. Now, Dwayne, something you alluded to early in the podcast is just – it does change the quarterback – kind of strategy as a whole quite a bit because before you know we had our top six quarterbacks Josh Allen Kyler Murray Justin Herbert Patrick Mahomes Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts seeing basically all of them gone by the end of round six at the absolute latest in fantasy drafts of all shapes and sizes these days now we have Trey Lance going later but as we agree and have kind of already moved him up there it seems inevitable that he slides up to the QB7 has that legit overall QB1 upside thanks to his legs some of these other guys Russ, Brady, Burrow, Dak, you know, we could certainly see it. But just in terms of, again, having that league-winning overall QB1 upside, we can say Lance has it. You could argue Justin Fields, but my God, like it's just tough because of how bad potential, the, the, how bad the potential is for everyone else around him to just kind of drag that situation down. Watson, man, and this is why we struggled to even – before this ruling, move him down. Like I had him QB eighteen. I I just did not see the i the I did not see the upside in ranking guys like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Tannehill ahead of Watson because we knew he had this upside. And Dwayne only having six games. I mean, we've seen kind of how on DeAndre Hopkins, we've I think collectively kind of calmed down about the six games throughout the offseason because it comes down to like, do I want to pick DeAndre Hopkins over this objectively worst player? Uh, and I think that we're usually taking that decision, you know, when it gets to that point in the drafts and, uh, just kind of be, being willing to eat those six games. So overall QB strategy standpoint, do you find yourself now less willing to take someone like Kyler in round five or six, because we have a Watson later in the draft, or is this more of a situation where now, if you get a burrow or a Russ, you're like, Hey, if Watson falls around or two, now I'm especially loaded. Um, I look at it more as. It, it just opens up more opportunities, like depending on the way the draft falls. 
I still want Kyler, right? Six games is still a lot. I mean, six games is half your fantasy season. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I mean, you don't want to be tanking the whole first half. Yeah, you're going to get Watson when it matters most. Um, but I mean, six games is still an awful lot, you know, uh, in, in the regular fantasy season. So the way I'm looking at it is uh, it doesn't change my mind around primary targets being Kyler, Jalen, um, you know, Lamar Jackson. Like, I think those guys should still go where they're going. But what it does is if there's something else really nice sitting there, it, it can give you a tiebreaker, right? Now that you know, well, I could come back to Trey Lance. I could still grab a, a Russ Wilson and come back and then tag on, you know, a Deshaun Watson, especially if in a, I'm in a league, you know, that roster, you know, you got a roster of 20 players. Like it's a lot easier in those kind of formats um, versus, you know, I only get 14 spots on my roster. So again, you got to consider those things. But for me, it just gives me, you have more outs. If you miss on those guys up top, you don't have to panic. You know, you've, you've, you've now just can remain calm and carry on and you're still going to have an opportunity to create a major upside uh, scenario with your quarterback play. And I do think Justin Fields belongs in the conversation just because we just know Justin Fields isn't going to finish as the QB one, but he could still easily be an arbitrage play on Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? He could still easily be an arbitrage play on Lamar Jackson just because we know if a quarterback runs for 750 yards, it's like almost impossible to not be a top 10 quarterback. So for Fields, the way I look at him right now, you're getting a top 10 quarterback most likely. Who cares about his weapons? Because they're going to run him more. Um, and you're getting him at QB 16. And then if he just does a little more on top of that or just has some efficiency, you know, in the rushing game and scores extra touchdowns, like he could easily be enough to offset like what some of these other, you know, people are taking way earlier in their draft. So I think that it Fields is included in the plan. To your point, he's he's the one we feel the least confident, you know, about. We're going to feel better about Lance. We feel better about Watson. But at the end, it's just about the flexibility that it creates if if you don't get the quarterback in round five or six. If And it makes it easier. Like if there's just a huge value sitting there, you just take the value and you let the quarterback go and you're like, okay, I could still come back to Trey Lance. I could still come back to Deshaun Watson. I could still come back to Justin Fields. I could come back to any combo of those plus a Kirk Cousins. There's just a lot of ways you can go. I was just thinking, Dwayne, because we've done some of these drafts together so far. We've talked about Zach Ertz kind of being the last guy that you want as your like first tight end, basically at that position. A quarterback, I think we could argue Justin Fields is that guy. Now it, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's like the last guy that you could possibly take as your QB one. I think it's just Field, Justin Fields, Zach Ertz, a tight end. I think at running back now, we could talk about Kareem Hunt being that guy, someone that we were already awfully high on before any of this happened, and. I'm not sure that any of these running backs necessarily need to have their rankings changed by a right. ton. With that said, the upside for everyone involved in this offense has gone up a tier. Like that could not be understated. Again, we talked about the difference from Jacoby to Baker, let alone even Deshaun Watson um, here. So Nick Chubb, he's my RB 16 right now. I might bump him ahead of Kamara, how, depending on that situation is going. I don't know. I think I'll probably keep him there. Kareem Hunt for me is a 28. I will say though, Dwayne, Kareem Hunt's one of these guys where I have him RB 28. He's 20. Oh, you've got him 28 overall in your ranks. Yeah. And I want to move him up higher. The only reason I don't is because of the ADP where it's just like, I, I, even though standard leagues, you could give him a bump. I I think you said it perfectly. Um, I'm not moving either of these players, but their ceilings you have to understand are higher because with a good quarterback, your team can score more touchdowns. Like, you know, it's not rocket science. Simple game. 
Yeah, so the ceiling for Nick Chubb's touchdowns just honestly went through the roof compared to was it where it was. I honestly would have put it, and only because he's an explosive playmaker that can break long runs, even with Jacoby Brissett, you know, he might have a shot at 11 or 12. And, and I, I know this is going to sound weird, but with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, as good as Nick Chubb is, like, I ain't, like you could say there's an outlier case where he scores 16 or 17 rushing touchdowns now just because the offense could be so much better. Now, again, you got you're going to lose six games, so you got to pull that down a little bit. But it definitely lifts it lifts the ceiling. It lifts the upside for scoring points for all of these guys. And I think you could maybe argue that like if if we were going to move someone, Kareem Hunt might even be the better one to move just because he plays on the passing downs. You've now got a better quarterback. Um, you know his role is still more insulated. Um, I, I love Kareem Hunt. I got him last night in the Pros versus Joes. Uh, myself and Brian Drake as our RB two just like what we did you know, last week in an FFPC uh, league. And guess what? Came back and added Deshaun Watson in round 15, just like you and I did last week. And so having that stack you know, of Hunt plus Deshaun Watson, super cheap, like for two majorly talented players. No, I guess with Hunt, my only thing is, because he's still going outside the top 30 running backs. I think we got him like RB33 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I just struggle to move. I'm always going to be ahead of consensus on them. I, I want to be, but when I look at guys like Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, like Dwayne, like Dwayne, how do you kind of handle this? Because I think I, I would just don't take, draft any of those. <laughs> right. Okay. That, that's my point because I think I would take Hunt over those guys, but then I don't really want to move them up. There yeah, because then- we don't. Right. Because we know people are drafting off our rankings. Yes. And exactly. like it's the same way we read it. I sit here and I watch. The, you know what that that tier that, that tier is my buffer as I'm drafting. And I'm graying off those names. It's just my countdown to Kareem Hunt and James Cook and Chase Edmonds. It's just my countdown. That's all it is. J.K. Dobbins, gone. Okay. Antonio Gibson, gone. Okay. Miles Sanders, gone. Okay. Seattle Seattle Seahawks running backs. Name your, name your pick. I don't care which one. They're gone. And there goes Damian Harris. And that's the final alarm bell. And when that happens, or it gets close to that, then I'm like, okay. Especially if I only have one running back on my team, I immediately shift into the mode of I want two of these players. Yeah. I want two of Kareem Hunt, James Cook, Chase Edmonds, and Cordero Patterson. And I'm with you there. And I, I just wanted to spell it out because as, as great as rankings are and, and everything, again, there does need to be a little more nu- more nuance added sometimes for situations such as this. Let's talk a little wide receiver. Amari Cooper, someone that we've been happy to kind of let slide it down the ranks. Dwayne, right now I have him wide receiver 32. I think he's still going just a little bit higher. Does this ruling make Amari Cooper more attractive for you in that range, kind of the low end wide receiver three range? I don't think he's necessarily going to be shooting up and flirting with the Rashad Bateman, Amon Ross St. Brown kind of wide receiver two borderline. I will say, though, you know, when we're looking at Cooper versus Drake London, even like DeAndre Hopkins, man, I. I think I'll get some exposure to him, but he's still not someone I'm exactly lining up to draft. Yeah, so, you know, I've been low on Cooper since the beginning. Um, ADP is kind of more in alignment, like with where I have Cooper ranked now. I'm still a little bit below ADP, but now with this move, I will probably move him into being even with ADP, to be honest. So, like, right now I've got him behind Elijah Moore, uh, Devonta Smith, Darnell Mooney. I'm going to move him above all those. I'll, I'm going to put him in the tier where I've got, um, you know, I've got where I've got Juju, honestly. Like, I'm going to put him right there with Juju. So he'll be like my wide receiver 32 ish, somewhere right around there. Right now, I've got him 37. So he's oh. going to move up a little bit. But again, not, not getting super excited. Remember, 
I know a lot of folks just immediately point to DeAndre Hopkins. Look what DeAndre Hopkins did with Watson. It's just a different profile receiver. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, is to use your term, Ian, he's just a dog. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter if he's covered. doesn't matter if he's double covered. doesn't matter if he's freaking triple covered. Just get him the damn ball. That's not who Amari Cooper is. Amari Cooper is a great route runner. He's a great technician. He used to be really good after the catch. I think he'll get an opportunity to see more yak in this offense, you know, and he could hit some big plays. And they'll, they're going to design a lot of stuff for Amari off of play action. But in the intermediate and short passing game, Amari's going to eat. I expect them to use Njoku more like athletic-type tight end down the seam. So, I mean, there's a real chance Amari Cooper comes away with 150 targets. My, my challenge is Amari's just never been like that true five-tool player, as much as we love him, Ian. You know, it, he beats you as a technician, but he doesn't beat you over the top. He doesn't beat you in contested situations. He's he's fine, but he's not great there. And he just doesn't quite have the explosiveness that he used to have just to break off these huge plays, right, right after the catch. Now, that's the one thing that could still come back. He's only 28, you know, so, I mean, that's not really old for a receiver. It's so funny, man. I was going back, and, I've you know, I've just been studying, like, all these really old players not really old players, just studying like the top 50 all time at all positions. And man, receivers, you know what? They used to, and I know we know this, you just kind of forget. And this is why, you know, it used to be the year three breakout. I think back in the day, like it was the year five wide receiver breakout. These guys didn't break out till they were 27. And then like they would post freaking 1300 yards until they were 35, you know? So it's like everything just got moved up. Now they break out sooner. They break down sooner. But with Amari, he's still on the right side, you know, of 30, as you like to say. And so there, I think, Anytime a player is in that range, there's still always a chance, right? They can have a bounce back season like in their yak and some of these other things, especially in an offense like this that's 100% designed around creating yak for the receivers off of play action. And I think that range of guys he's kind of going with is perfect. Even if you do want to put him ahead of your Darno Mooney's, Elijah Moore's, like with the six games kind of in there with Watson, where we now know we're going to get six games of, you know, objectively pretty bad quarterback play with all due respect Mm -hmm. to Jacoby Brissett. Like, I think that is enough for Cooper in a run first offense in an offense that maybe isn't done adding to the wide receiver position uh, where we can more feel good about him going. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Dwayne, early star, you might be able to say, of training camp. He continues to go way late in drafts. We do have the Anthony Schwartz injury. David Bell, someone that looks like he might be restricted to the slot in a two tight end heavy offense. There is one Will Fuller still sitting out there. Let's have fun for a second. Let's say Will Fuller signs with the Cleveland Browns. He would be, and I remember doing a study on this, DeAndre Hopkins actually averaged more fantasy points per game with Will Fuller in Houston than without. Had fewer targets, but he was scoring like 0.8, 0.9 touchdowns. It was a decent sample size. As we all know, Will Fuller has had a tendency to miss some games over the years. Now, even in the NFL, you know, 10, 15 game sample size can still ultimately be too small. But I don't immediately know, Dwayne, if Will Fuller is added to the fold. Like, I don't think Amari Cooper's rank would crater necessarily. It would make Dolphin Peoples-Jones undraftable. Right now, do you like the late round dart on DPJ? We have seen him flash a little bit in some of these, you know, advanced metrics over the last two years. I know in particular his rookie year yards per route run, I believe, was north of two. Yeah, I think DPJ is fine late. Um, I, I, I really feel like Will Fuller's going to end up signing here. I don't have any sort of information saying that. It's just, I feel like the Browns have basically been waiting on this and they've been deciding what are they going to do with their season. The other thing this is going to do, they're not going to trade Kareem Hunt now. You know, we've talked about like, well, if they don't have Watson, they can't get anything next year for, for Hunt. But if they trade him now, even though they don't need the cap space, they could at least get something for 
Kareem Hunt. So I think this takes probably the trade of Kareem Hunt off the table, but it ups his ceiling, right, in another way. I think with DPJ, it's fine if you don't want to take a late-round swing, but I think just where would you put Will Fuller if he signed with the Browns? I think, for me, he becomes at least a high-end wide receiver four. I probably don't immediately move him into wide receiver three conversation just because all the things we mentioned, they're not probably going to throw the ball as much, you know, as what he used to see. We still need to see Will Fuller be healthy. Who We have no clue what happened to Will Fuller. There's way more to the story than what we know. We, we have no clue. Um, but something weird happened with him last year to go from a finger injury to disappearing off the face of the planet. And so I, I think there's some questions with Fuller, but I would struggle to, I think he's immediately in the wide receiver four question, um, you know, range. If maybe, we know he's got Deshaun Watson, maybe just a little bit lower, maybe like in that early wide receiver five range with Kenny Galladay and Tim Patrick. That's if we got more clarity a- around what was going on, and it was just like, hey, yeah, I think that's fair, actually. Like, put him in there. Uh, yeah, I think that would be good. The high end wide receiver five. If it was like, look, finger was shattered. This was a terrible process. I'm fine now. Like, ready to go. Everything's great. Great day to be great. If Will Fuller says those words specifically, I'll put him mm-hmm. up higher. But uh, yeah, just, you know, him versus MVS, even. I, I know your feelings on MVS and, you know, a certain guy in Green Bay, Dwayne. I would still struggle to even put Fuller into kind of that tier just because, again, of those six games that Watson will be out and just the uncertain situation. Like, hey, who knows? Will Fuller also hasn't played all that much football in the last year and a half. Maybe he goes out there and can't quite pull away from DPJ. I don't know. What am I saying here? It's Will Fuller that we're it, talking It would be about. good for Watson. And to your point with Amari, the reason like why it wouldn't bump Amari is – just Amari's never been a target hog, even in situations where he could have been, you know, yeah. meaning there just wasn't a lot of competition. So I think at this point in Amari's career, we know really good at the thing he does, but it's the reason he's a 21 to 22% targets per route player instead of a 28, you know, yeah. is because he's really good at this one thing, but he's not good at like the other two things that quarterbacks are looking for. And so I don't think it's really impacts Amari at all. Um, honestly, I, I think you would keep him. It honestly, might help Amari <laughs> just having someone on the opposite side of the field that can stretch things out because then maybe you get a little bit more efficiency out of, you know, the receptions that you see. Um, yeah, if we knew we had Deshaun Watson for the whole year, I would easily rank, um, Will Fuller if he signed, you know, with them ahead of MVS and all these other guys, just because actually Will Fuller's actually done it. Like Will Fuller's actually shown us he can be a good receiver, um, MBS has never shown us that despite having multiple opportunities. So I would lean to him then, but yeah, with the idea that, you know, we don't have, we're, we're going to have Jacoby Brissett for the first six games. And Jacoby's not a guy that wants to push the ball down the field. When you get to Sean Watson out there, all bets are off for Will Fuller, right? I mean, you, you he can come away with two touchdowns easily in any game. That's not going to be his upside case scenario um, with Brissett just because Brissett is much more of a, you know, Amari fits Brissett's game much better, right, than what we would see from Will Fuller. He's going to keep things checking down, going to keep it underneath, going to try, try and play it safe, Ian, going to hit singles, going to hit singles, might hit a double here and there. No home runs, no home runs, just trying to not strike out. Final piece to talk about here is the tight end room. David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. Again, Dwayne, you know, we, we spent – and now we're previewing this team before we had this information. Now we're going to be pushing probably that with it in mind. So the thing with Najoku, I know it's easy to look at week 15 last year. It's the game Austin Hooper was out. Najoku played 100% of the snaps. Harrison Bryant, 39%. Najoku had the 5-2 to two target lead. 
We did get three additional games in 2020 without Austin Hooper in the picture as well. If we look at the four-game sample, and this is all with Kevin Stefanski as head coach, Brian actually managed to out-target Njoku 16-15 to across four total games. Now, the Browns gave Njoku a four-year $54.75 million contract with $28 million guaranteed, making more money than anyone at tight end not named George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard, or Mark Andrews. So fully anticipating Njoku being a tight end one, Man, Dwayne, you know, another tight end that got paid a lot of money by the Browns and proceeded to kind of be stuck in a committee and not get a ton of targets, Austin Hooper here. So I do think the Joku, the talent, the player himself has more upside. He is still a younger guy. We've seen, you know, I think higher athletic flashes over someone like Austin Hooper, who I would put more into Dalton Schultz kind of. Man, we're just making Schultz a punching bad lately for for, for, for uh, mid-tight ends. But you know what? It, it is what it is, Dwayne. I do think Njoku is similar to a Dallas Goddard in terms of having, you know, that extra underlying upside. With that said, where do you kind of rank him around the tight end twos? I had him tight end 15 before this, which was already a little bit ahead of the uh, tier. I could see myself bumping him up probably all the way to tight end 12 at the highest I still want to put him ahead of Irv Smith, but I think the Joku versus guys like Pat Fryermuth and Robert Tunyon now is a very legit conversation. Yeah, I have Njoku at 21 right now just because, you know, I was assuming Jacoby Brissett for a full season and all the other things you mentioned. For all we know, this is still going to be a complete committee. I don't understand the Browns, to be honest. Like, here's this guy, you're going to pay all this money, and he's been on your freaking roster all this time anyway. But, but you've never really used him. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but so it's it, it makes it tough to trust, even though he gets the money. But to your point, 26.2 years old when the season starts this year, he's had the underlying data points. Not not as strong as Dallas Goddard, but like we definitely know he's an athletic freak, right? He's a guy that he he's a he's a great athlete. He's got high draft capital, you know, invested in him. There's a reason he was a first round pick in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I would say in the same, you know, in the tier below, you know, Knox and Irv Smith and some of these other guys, he belongs in there because he does have the upside to potentially take that step forward. He's still young. Now he gets the upgrade in quarterback. So it's like, I've, I'll have him in the same tier where I've got Hunter Henry, Mike, Mike Gesicki, some of these other guys where I know they're not going to be the lead target in their offense. I mean, they might, they might be, but most likely like, you know, Gesicki won't be, you know, Hunter Henry, there's a, you could always say there's a chance like he's, he's the best receiver that they have. Yeah but like similar talent profiles to those guys. And so that probably put him like in the 15, 16 range for me. He's one of these guys that we could argue though, could flirt with eight to 10 touchdowns, only getting like 70 targets or so. And again, these type of players are not who we're looking to target really in redraft leagues at all. Like you want to have your first tight end well before we even get to this tier and best ball land though. Once you have to actually have these two, three, even four tight end builds sometimes. So I think the Joker becomes that much more appealing Dwayne. If we do, man, again, this is, Another situation where I think we could see the week one ranking versus the week two ranking, you know, really change dramatically uh, depending on the usage we end up seeing. And at week one, 100% snap rate. Last time we saw him without Austin Hooper, like if that sticks, man, if David Njoku literally doesn't leave the field, to me, he'll that, top, well, he'll be a top 12 tight end if he gets over 80%, you know, of yeah. the routes and he's getting that every week. Like so. he's just, he's just going to be. Um, and, and if that happens, then maybe, and then you, throw on top the fact that he's not just a dude athletically, like he really does have some traits that we like that all of a sudden puts, you know, wide receiver seven, I mean, tight end seven, tight end eight, 
that that's all in range for Njoku um, if he gets that 80%. And he's going to get a nice boom the second Watson's back. There's no easier, okay, excluding defense and kickers. I don't think there's an easier position to stream week to week than tight end. Keeping two roster spots on two tight ends that are ranked outside the top, you know, 12 is pretty tough to warrant, I think, in traditional redraft leagues. But Dwayne, I, you know, we've both been in drafts that, you know, even in a single season redraft are going 22, 25 rounds. From that scenario, I wouldn't hate if, if you like don't get Irv Smith and you don't get Zach Ertz, you know, and it's just kind of falling, take Najoku. Then take, I don't know, freaking take Austin Hooper, Brevin Jordan, you know, freaking 10 rounds later and live and just try to get by until week six, maybe. Am I overthinking it? Uh, no, I think, look, Njoku with this news, like definitely if I miss on Irv Smith or some of these other guys, he might be the first name I have in my mind at this point, you know, after those. But I, I would prefer to pair, you know, and hopefully you're really strong elsewhere if you've missed yeah. on these tight ends. So the idea would be grab Njoku and Hunter Henry, right? Grab Njoku and grab Gerald Everett. Grab Njoku and one of these other guys, a little higher than the others that you just talked about. I would like to have two of those. And then I may throw a third on at the very end if people just leave it there, like an Austin Hooper. If I'm, if that's best ball, right? If I'm in redraft, um, you know, even tight end premium, you know, I'm probably just going to grab two of these, two of these players that we just talked about. Anything else you want to get off your chest about this matter, Dwayne? Again, always a chance with the uh, NFL not exactly saying just yet if they're going to be appealing the suspension ruling or not. We could always be back here with another update here sooner rather than later. But as things stand, with Watson suspended six games, I think we've broken down just about every fantasy relevant angle. No, I don't have anything else. I think this is I think this is everything. And again, like you mentioned, like it's gonna it's still a little bit fluid. But based on the we all we can do is go on the latest information we have, right? Yep. And again, when you're talking about a player like you know Watson, setting all the other stuff aside, I tend to just lean into being more aggressive because absolute difference maker. Um, not as much for Amari, not as much for Njoku. I like them, you know, and I'm going to be higher on them now. But I think Watson is the one that you you know if you if you're willing to be aggressive and you're willing to take on risk. Like he's the player that you're going to want to be the most aggressive with in the way that you draft him, depending again, like what we talked about earlier on how you're setting your roster up. You know, uh, I've been drafting Watson a ton over the last three weeks. You know, we've done it. I did it with Drake. I've got him on several best ball teams as my QB too. Um, and so I know I've had a lot of people, you know, give me, oh man, that's dumb. Why would you ever take Watson? And it's only because of one thing it's the upside. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you and I talked about it. We have Lamar Jackson on a team. And yeah, typically it's like, hey, we've got our horse. We've put our bet on it. But then, and you and I usually don't draft a second quarterback in redraft leagues, but Deshaun Watson's staring you in round 15. And the question immediately becomes, if for some reason Lamar Jackson did go down, like the, there's no reason to draft, uh, you know, Tua Tagalavoa, uh, Tua whatever, Tua. There's no reason <laughs> to draft him. He's not going to replace Lamar Jackson. You just go get someone off the wire. However, if you can get Deshaun Watson and you get him really cheap, He's the only player going that late that if for some reason you had to replace Lamar Jackson, which you which you took early enough to say you're putting a bet on Lamar Jackson being a differentiating part of your fantasy football team, I do think there's there's a you know a way to think about this where that makes Deshaun Watson very valuable because he's the only guy going that late that if you had to replace Jackson, 
he can actually do it. And oh, guess what? He's also the only guy going that late to where you could actually be forced into a decision every week. Crap, which one do I start? And that's a good thing. That's a good thing to think through. What quarterback could you take in that range that could actually make you think, man, do I start this guy over Lamar Jackson? There's not one. He's it. He is the only one that could give you that. So you just remember that. Good tweet from Josh Larkey at Jay Larkey tweets. Always doing good stuff. Now with the 33rd team where he was talking about wide receivers, but this applies to every position. Josh's tweet. I don't care if a player is a value and you shouldn't either. The wide receiver 47 by ADP finishing as the wide receiver 41 is not helping you in fantasy. Focus on players who can actually force their way into your starting lineup. They don't have a clear cut path to being a top 24 option. No, thanks. Again, that's about wide receivers. So replace top 24 with top eight. That's Deshaun Watson. That's the point. He has that opportunity, the potential to be just not, not just a value, a, you know, as the kids would call it league winning asset with where he's going and someone that yeah Dwayne you could legit start over Lamar Jackson at some point this season take him at that point in the drafts we'll see how the ADP adjusts we'll see if the NFL appeals but for right now things all looking up for the fantasy football assets involved in Cleveland so Dwayne and I will be back before too long thank you all again for tuning into this emergency edition of the PFF fantasy football podcast until next time take care everybody.